Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Right, let's get started. The Bossit Podcast. Michael, hopefully you can hear me. I can hear you, Mark. How are you? Very well. How have things been going this week? Have you had a busy week? It's It's been very busy, but but most and foremost, wherever I go, traffic is blocked or unblocked by the World Cup. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't mention about I, I have to so, talk so. about because because we're playing, <laughs> Belgium is playing England. And, yes. and since our team is made up of most people that uh, football players that play in England, it's going to be really funny because they're playing against their own colleagues and it's going to be very intriguing. Well, I've been looking at the Belgium team and I've been looking at where they're ranked in the world, third in the world, whereas England, I think, are down sort of 12th. But, um, but, and some, yeah. some good players in Belgium team. I'm very you, impressed. You know, there is a one... One, and this is hard to understand for foreigners or, say, let's say, people not from Belgium. Yes. Because if you look at, at the world and you look to England, you look to France, you look to Germany, they've all been conquerors. They've, they've had colonies. They, they conquered the world. But the oh, Belgians, yeah. we did a bit of that, but, but it, it's a fake country. We, we, we were created <laughs> as a buffer between France and Germany and all these places. So we have one common theme is that we are proud not to be proud of Belgium. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I've and never heard anyone describe their own country as a fake country. <laughs> yeah, but, it, it, but it's true. I mean, we have the three, we have the three languages. We have five governments. Then we have, then we have Brussels with the European Union. We are all looking at that, thinking, okay, so so now what? So right? so it. So what do you do when when when, the, when there's a big event on and there's a time in you know when you're in Belgium and there's the opportunity to play the national anthem? Do you all look around and go? No, let's not bother. No, no, let's no, just get we on don't. with it. We don't. There are some parts of Belgium that do, but, but yeah. most of us, we, we, I mean, it's not like the US, right? I, I, I told you the story a bit before. We, 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 I went to this meeting, the internal kickoff, and then they played the, the American anthem and they even said a prayer. And we, we, we were looking to, to each other and saying, what is happening here? Yeah. What did we miss? We don't do that. You, we you wouldn't get that. that in the UK at all. At all. I mean, oh. it's, it's, I think, in the last 20 years, we've become very multicultural. And, and yeah. there's a lot of pride in that, especially around London. In, mm-hmm. in most areas, there's, there's pride around that. Um, we do play the national anthem at big events. Um, but the idea of having prayer related to business or but, even playing a national anthem related to business. But still, you feel it across the culture. And God save the Queen. I mean, yes. I think we Belgians, we would say, in Belgium, we would say the opposite of our king, but <laughs> that wouldn't yes. work. Right? I think, so, there's, yes, there's still a lot of support for royalty here. I mean, when there was the recent yeah. wedding. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, wow, the focus on that. Yeah. Every, you know, everybody was looking that way. There's a, there's a bit of cynicism, but I think they realise that royalty is part of our culture and it probably does quite a bit for the economy. Most people sort of agree with that. Uh, but it is an interesting, interesting question, these cultural differences, because we probably see this a lot in business as well. Yeah, I remember sitting at a meeting in Alabama, 
and it was a series it was about a lot of money and the meeting started with a prayer and they asked me actually michael could you lead the prayer and i had i just kind of started saying stuff that i i think should have been said and they kind of all nodded and said yes i'm into that <laughs> we never do that we never ever ever do something that is really weird wow. very interesting though very interesting yeah it is yeah and it's, they gave uh, me they gave me cookies afterwards with the logo of my company on it which which i kind of like so i'm thinking well it's not bad <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's an interesting point. I mean, you forget sometimes that there are still these cultural differences. Um, it, it it makes me think that um, over the last few weeks and few months, we've been I've been had my head into lots of different reports and the studies that we've been doing, looking at software companies, and there were predictions a few years ago along the lines of the Americans are coming. And that was talking about the American <laughs> software companies that have grown large are going to be coming into Europe in two respects. Is one, much more competition that we're going to be seeing. And also they're making lots more acquisitions. Mm-hmm. And actually now looking at what's happened, not so much. It hasn't happened to the extent. We have seen a lot of European software companies have continued to expand and do very, very well. Do you have a reason for that? Why would that be? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it is, there is still, despite our multicultural media, and we've got generations, I mean, I, I think that uh, younger generations now will, must be struggling in knowing the difference between English and American spelling because they see it so often. It must be really my difficult. Kids, my, kids, my kids are watching YouTube movies and it's all American or English, actually. Yes. And, and, and their English is really good. While in school, they, we, we, they're teaching them French, which for them is, they, they don't like it because it, they, they don't see it in movies. They see the YouTube stars, it's all English. Yes. So, so uh, that's going to have impact in business, I think, you, in about 10 years or something. You would have thought that that would have broken down a lot of barriers, but I think that still, there, my experience has been with, with some American executives is they struggle to understand the concept of of Europe, the continent and whole of Europe and and UK, you know, soon to be part yeah, of Brexit, is that yeah. there there are a lot of similarities, but there are differences as well. Yeah, I think that the the, 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 the extreme cultural differences for them, uh, let's say it like that, for them between all the it's not like you just take a plane from state to state. No, it's it's. Proper, different language, different layouts of houses. Everything is different, different laws. I mean, it makes business life in Europe very difficult to scale a business. Because mm. the discussion I have a lot with businesses is, do we need to hire a local person? Should we take a, a, should we take a, a, a person that's, that, that, that speaks a language, but that's based here? Or should we take a guy from over there? I mean, it's a discussion that comes a lot and it's very expensive. I mean, in the U.S., you can basically start and then you could go to New York and you put two people and, you, I mean, you're busy for a while eh, to cover mm. New York. I, I don't know. I've got, Kim, I've got conflicting thoughts in my head because I've, I've been told, you know, we've, we've got presence in the States, but I've been told by Americans that the typical American doesn't have a passport to travel outside the country. Or it's something like only 50% have a passport. Yeah. I think something like that. I can't remember. But then again... I'm exposed to senior software execs uh, from America, and they're quite widely travelled. 
Yeah, so, I think that's different. I, yeah. I, I was I traveled a lot to the US, and they all loved the fact I would speak so many languages. As a Belgian, you speak minimum three, potentially yeah. up to five. And and but for me, it's natural because if I don't do it, I don't find the work. It's like the minimum standard, right? It's 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 just different. So I always find it amazing when they look at me and say, "You speak all these languages. It must be fantastic." And I'm like, yeah, but I need it in order to survive. It's just. A natural thing. I mean, I dream, you know, Mark, I never told you, but I dream in English. Ah, okay. That's strange, huh? D- how, so, so what, how often are you speaking English during, you know, during your work day or during your day? Or most of the time. Most yeah, of the time. Some of that, that it's actually strange. weird to speak, to do my boot camps or to do my presentations. So I was on a webinar on Monday with a large CRM system, uh, system called Team Leader in Belgium, and they asked me to do it in Dutch. And Flemish, actually. And that's what I speak at home. And it was really, really weird. And I kept switching to English. So I had to really pull myself back. And because I think the way you build phrases, the way you think, it changes according to the language. And it's really true. When I start doing French, I think differently. It's very weird. But <laughs> it's like I have different personas in me that switch between the languages. English is very close to, 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 to Dutch. So when but you're speaking I, French, yeah. do, you, do you get that urge to keep wanting to go out and have a long lunch? Is that what it does? Absolutely. Drink, drink wine. <laughs> drink wine. And, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> no, but, but the, for me, French, it's funny. But I, I might have a different opinion. But when I listen, um, when, even in meetings, they tend to use a lot more words to describe something. Yes. Well, I'll I'll be very short. I'll shortcut things and I'll say, okay, that's it. Well, they will kind of keep talking, and it's very. But it's also culturally. I realized when I was doing these meetings, and I would cut through, they would not even understand me. They would look to me and say, "What is this guy trying to do?" Right. So I needed to have several meetings. Go to the Netherlands, very typically, and this may sound cliche, but it is true. They will tell you in your face after five minutes what they think. While yeah. Belgians will say yes a lot, but they actually mean no. See, it's well, just a it's just a cultural thing, and it's in the beginning. It's you need, you learn the tough lessons. I think I think that there are differences in the UK, even geographically, and yeah. Um, yeah. accent is still plays a part. That's something I learned when I was uh, running a business in in UK. Is that and foreigners do not realize the importance of accents. And it defines the class or the school you've been into. And, and it's a big thing in England. And, and I didn't realize I would also wear wrong clothes on the wrong dates. I remember walking into the office. Maybe it's changed, Mark, but I was wearing a brown suit. And the guy said to me, Michael, brown? What are you doing? And I had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> yes. I th- you see, you do. Huh? So maybe yeah. for our listeners, what does that mean? Because I, I'm sure most people don't know what it means, a brown suit in England, in a working day. Um, yes, probably for being in the city. It's, it's, yeah. If you're working in, in, in London, perhaps it's seen as being... Um, you do see it because I think these rules have softened, but I think they're yeah. still there. It's seen as being um, less normal, less acceptable maybe. Um, there was always this thing about when do you wear brown shoes and when do you wear black shoes Tradition, <laughs> traditionally you wear brown shoes when you're in the country you wear black yeah. shoes when you're in the city look um, at that it's Amazing. because the brown shoes you're more likely to get mud on them and it won't show up i, I tell you something a completely <laughs> side note i've been wearing shirts like proper business shirts 
Oh, I was going to talk to you about your shirts, yeah, Michael. For ages, and people <laughs> know me with my my shirts and my V-strapped, you know, sweaters. Yes. And I've been thinking about, I, I need to change this. Not only does my girlfriend go nuts with ironing all this stuff, but I said, there must be another way. So I've been trying on stage different variances of not a T-shirt, but something in between with the jeans. Yes. And in my brain, it kind of blocks. It's weird. It's like, if I'm not wearing it, I can't be taken seriously why it's complete nonsense. Uh, no, I, I understand that. I think I've seen in America quite a lot of business people that will get up on stage with a T-shirt. I yeah, don't Steve see Jobs. Steve yes. Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg it. are famous, always the same thing, yes. and then Nike shoes. <laughs> yeah, that, I've heard this about um, about it, that it makes uh, for less decisions for them to make. They just yeah. put on the same colour. Uh, I think if you're worrying about having to make the decision as to what clothes to put on, it, it, you know, it makes makes you a bit concerned. I don't know if I, that is the true reason. I was in a, I was in a meeting, Mark. So I'm meeting a lot of startups and scale-ups also, all the time. And I was in a meeting with investors, and these are guys with lots of cash, meeting lots of important people. And they were like really casually dressed, but really casually dressed. And I've been seeing it more and more and more. So I'm really wondering where is the – I kind of like it, but I sometimes like to put on a suit. It's like a battle dress I'm putting on. Well, I think 10 years ago, maybe maybe a little bit less than that, I would – typically wear a tie as well in the UK. Rarely yeah. now do I wear a tie. And that's just something that seems to have, have faded away. I showed up. It's a big at, meeting. Yeah. I tend to wear a tie. Really big meeting the, in the world. The first events I did with you guys, I showed up suited. And then the last one, I showed up with the jeans and with a shirt. And then I had sneakers on just to test the waters. And it kind of went smoothly, I have the impression. Although everybody told me, uh, dressed casually, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but once yeah. you'd left, we said a few things. That was of course, of course. You did. did you see what he was wearing? Yeah. What is he thinking? These people from the continent. He's got no idea. Can we ever do business with them? It's time to conquer. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yes. We'd conquered Belgium. We could have got them to... sorted out. Yeah. Okay, so Mark. One of the things I wanted to quickly touch upon is that wherever I go in the world, people always ask me a few things, a few of the same things. One of them well, is I've got a Michael. Question for you. Sorry, I've got a question for you actually that I was going to ask you. Okay, you go, you go first, and then I'll this tell. Is a quick, yeah, this is a question for you: is if you had to recommend um, five, say five a small number, any productivity tools that you believe really work because we get so much thrown at us. And I've got something sitting in front of me that I I wanted to mention to you. But if you had five productivity tools, because I think that's really important, especially in the sales area, it's very important for for senior executives. Could you recommend them with with confidence? It's like telepathy. I was going to say that most people ask me the question you exactly asked me, and and I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer. It's a special talent I've got, Mike. I'm getting really nervous here. Like you guys are really putting the cameras and the microphones all over Belgium now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so so um, first. Number one productivity tool in sales for B2B is LinkedIn. There is no discussion about that. But you can automate 
some of the things in LinkedIn. One of the things you need to automate, for instance, is the theory behind LinkedIn is if I watch your profile and I don't know you, you probably are going to watch back and then I can add you. There are two tools which can do that for you. And yes, it is GDPR compliance because there is nothing wrong with watching and automating that. One tool is called Linked Helper, which takes it a long way. Uh, And the other one is called Ducks Soup and you write D-U-X and then soup, S-O-U-P. They both automate that aspect. They sit in your Chrome browser and they will be watching LinkedIn for you. And it's, I mean, it's, it's been scaling my LinkedIn tremendously. And if you go to Growth Hackers communities, that's what they're all doing um, and works really well. So that's, that's LinkedIn. Second thing, what I really like to automate is I spend a lot of time in my calendar and I see a lot of executives and I see a lot of sales guys spending their time in their calendar. Why don't you flip it around and you open up spaces in your calendar and you let your customers pick a slot there, but you control it. So there's a tool, it's free, there is a paying version, it's called Calendly, where you can actually say, uh, these are the slots that are available and you just send an email and say, hey, you book a slot whenever you want, and you don't need to spend time on calendar management. I think that's... Yeah, I've used it. I'd recommend it as well. It does work. Yeah. Very easy yeah. to use. The other thing, if you go LinkedIn and you, 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 you need to communicate to the world, I love visualizations. I mean, you've seen me posting about our podcast. You see me doing a lot of stuff. I have a tool which is free. It's called Canva with a C, like canvas, but canva.com. And you can you have... I think a million, if not more, templates in there. You, you can just say, okay, I need to do a post on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram or I need a header for YouTube. I mean, it's endless. You just pick it out, whatever you want. You have all the templates you can choose or you can just drag and drop a picture in there, change the text, download this JPEG. In two, three minutes, you have a professional-looking visual that you can save and reuse. For me, that has been an absolute productivity gain because I used to spend hours figuring out Photoshop or asking people, paying people. Now I basically go there, I have some templates, and I do it in literally five minutes. That's an interesting one. No, I'm not Have you used it? No. Yeah, it it no, goes really far. I learned it with some uh, startups that actually need to write like ebooks and manuals and, and charts, and they opened it up and they would write an ebook in a day. Unbelievable. They would oh, just wow. take an ebook there, change some pictures, just type in other text. And they would have it. It was like, I'm thinking, this is not possible. I'm not, I'm not speaking, I mean, I'm not saying anything about the quality, but at least the visual design is pretty good. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah, where yeah. it starts. Yeah. That it comes behind. Yeah. I, and I've, the seen, last, I've seen something similar, I think, where yeah. you can take a, an article, or a word report, and you can drag it into the software, and it, and it yeah. automatically yeah. makes the, the, the whole thing more visual. Is, is that how it works? You just... Take no, text. You, no it, it's, it doesn't work that way. You start with the with the template, and then you basically adjust it to your needs. Oh, okay. But yeah. it's really it's really nice. It's really simple. It connects. You log in with Facebook, so you don't need to or Facebook or something else. You don't need to think about it. Yes, it's really really good. And then, um, by the way, if you want to see just this is a side jump. You want to see something really cool? Go to Lumen L U M E N five. Dot com. What that thing does is really, I mean, I was really amazed. You, you, it, it asks for a URL of a blog article. So you basically copy-paste the URL in there. Yes. And then it's going to make a movie of that. 
So what it does, it creates like a bunch of slides and you can say, I want that word, I want that Francis, I want that. And it basically creates slides and then you say, I want that music with it and I want that transition, I'm going to change a picture and it looks automatically because based on the words, it goes and looks in stock images all free. In three minutes, you have from your blog article, you have a moving movie with sound. It's crazy. It's really, I loved it. I loved it absolutely. That's on a site. The last one, I want to mention is something that has become more and more indispensable for me. It's called Zapier. And the concept here, Zapier is like a middle layer that connects apps. And it started, I had a, on my website, I, you can leave your email for the newsletter. Basically, Zapier, it, it, this is done in a, a tool called Drift. doesn't matter. It's a chatbot. It puts it via Zapier from the one program into a Google Sheet, and then from the Google Sheet, it will put it into MailChimp into a sequence. But Zapier connects everything. It goes from HubSpot to, let's say, other CRMs. You can align lists. It's crazy. It's just ridiculous. And you, it's one of the first times I, I've been using it for a year, I realized the power of synchronizing and automating at a ridiculous speed. So I built literally workflows within this tool, connecting everything. goes from my Gmail to my calendar to, to Calendly to LinkedIn. I mean, it, I connect the whole thing into one big central repository. Give me an example of how you used it. So somebody leaves his email behind on my website. Yes. That's done in one tool. It goes uh, to a uh, Zapier, puts that one email address into a Gmail file. From the Gmail file, I send it to, I leave it there, but I send it to uh, MailChimp for newsletters, but I also send it to my CRM system. You see? Right. So I use Zapier as the central, actually, the uh, central okay. dispatcher. But it goes really far. I give you an, uh, an example of a company told me yesterday. So they are into um, HR. So they have a lot of movies of interviews of people, potential candidates for s- certain roles. So what they do is, and now we're going into growth hacking. So what they do is if somebody watches longer than 30 seconds, there is a trigger that goes off in Google Analytics. That trigger knows the person basically that's on the website. It gets pinged through Zapier to HubSpot. HubSpot starts then sending email sequence to the person and actually creates a call uh, within HubSpot to phone that person. Scary stuff, huh? Yeah. But that's Zapier that actually connects all the dots. And how do you Very that? powerful. Z-A- and it's free. Z-A-P-I-E-R? Yes. Okay. Z-A-P-I-R. There is another tool similar. It's it's called, yeah, I'm not even going to mention it. But there are a few tools. This one is for me works. It's, 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 it's free for up to 1,000 of these connections. Uh, I haven't paid for it yet, but at a certain stage I will, and then they've locked me in. I mean, it's a beautiful mechanism. It's classic SaaS. They will lock me in forever and ever and ever. And you're not being paid or sponsored to mention any of these products on our podcast? No, I'm Just not. From I should case. actually. Should do, yes, that's right. <laughs> no, ne- never want to do that. Actually, I don't want to do it because then you become biased. And you do, yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. So you had one. Yeah, well, I've got the, as you were talking, actually, it, it made me think the the one thing that I bought uh, a few years ago now that I really I feel the benefit of every single day is my Jabra Bluetooth headset. Fantastic. Yeah. Jabra yeah. 930, I think it is. It 
challenge is I think it can last eight hours without being put back on the stand. It sits on my desk. I do all of my calls. I do this podcast is being recorded on it. I mean, we tried uh, the blue microphone um, and I tested it a number of times. I think we did a couple of the podcasts using the blue microphone, but Mm -hmm. I did some tests on it with some people and they preferred the sound on the Jabra and it leaves my hands free. And most important for me, I'm not tethered to my desk. I mean, I've tested it. I've walked 50 yards away and it's still crystal clear. You don't get crackle. You don't get any problems with it. I just love using it. Um, The other thing that I've used for years and years and years is some software called MindJet. I knew you were going to say it. Talk about that one. It you is love the, it. You keep sending me that, oh, that stuff. <laughs> it's, it's the best software ever invented, and I'm not going to have any arguments about it. No, but it's really good because visualization, you can use it in so many different ways. It's great for brainstorming. It's really good for putting together business plans. I think we mentioned before about you know companies putting together 50, 60, 100, 300 page business plans. No one ever reads them. You can put a one page business plan together and put as little or as much information as you want on there. You can put agendas together. Um, it can be used in so many different ways. But it, like the Tony Bazan, you know, he was the one who originally invented the idea of mind mapping. It's really fast and easy when you want to. If you, you know, I've got to give uh, a bit of a talk fairly soon, so I will I will plan that in MindJet. I will just throw in the ideas. You can reorganise it, reorganise it. It's fast and easy to use. You can make it very visual. You can add Im- add images to it to make it memorable. Really good software, and it never goes wrong. I think it was originally yeah. German, but it may be different ownership now. I've not really sort of kept up to date. But I think it, you need to spend a little bit of time understanding the principles behind my mapping, i.e. keep sentences short. But um, no, great software, mindjet.com. There are free versions of my mapping software, but I've always used Mindjet. I think I probably always will. It's really good. The other thing that I've seen has, has become more popular, and I've tried, and I found it reasonably successful are some of these specially designed journals and i've got one sitting on my desk at the moment oh yeah you it's yeah. not a hype yet in belgium i haven't seen them a lot i know what you're talking about have a look you, at, you should explain you should explain yeah. what it is self so this one's called the self journal it's yeah. it's manufactured by best self so you get two pages to a day you've got down on the left hand column you've got all the hours in your work day on the right hand side you've got targets You've got the opportunity to list down at the end of the day what the key wins um, is, what your goals are for the day. There's usually a quote on there. There's a space there that you can write alongside where you're planning your day, notes, ideas that you need during the day. I think I think all of that is really good. The only thing that I struggle with mm-hmm. is I want an electronic version of that because <laughs> I I go to meetings and I don't take a laptop. I just take my iPad and an iPhone. I travel light. I used to write in a day journal and then I would get back and then I would type the notes up because I've got a lot of information in there that is, could be quite useful. And I thought, what a waste of time. I've learned now to be able to type notes, abbreviated notes, obviously, during the meeting. And then I just add to it when I've got a bit more time. So I'm I'm used to having things in electronic format. Um, I think this would be great if there, somebody would um, make this electronic 
maybe somebody yeah. out there could. But there exists something, I've seen it once, it's like a book and you had a special pen and you would write in the book and then you would press a button and then basically everything you would have written would transform into like um, yes. text and you, it would save somewhere. But I've never really seen it taking off. Yesterday I, I was on an event and in front of me there were two guys and they both had this large iPad, you know, the new iPad Pro thing. I knew it's already old. Yep. And they were writing with this stylus. They were writing, just really writing, making all the notes. Yep. I don't see it a lot, actually. No. Um, see, I, I've seen it reasonably. I've got a client at the moment who uses it all the time. So I've sat next to him during a few meetings over the last few months. Mm-hmm. And it seems to work very successfully. Um I've got a few clients uh, in the healthcare sector and, mm-hmm. and, and doctors like to annotate. So they like to give um, written notes and they like to annotate. And I've seen that working very successfully. Um, the technology to be able to interpret handwriting seems to have got very good now. Um, but I think the journal, the printed journal is is actually really good and there are quite a few different versions of this it really seems to have taken off if you look on facebook for best self you'll see lots and lots of activity and people showing how they use it which i think is is useful yeah. um and it's quite flexible you can use it in different ways but just for me i would prefer it if it was electronic um yeah. but it but it is it is useful what well, i mean what do you do when you go into a meeting because this is something that sells I, I tried everything huh? i tried i mean the theory is simple you need to stick take one and stick to it so yes. i tried notes like uh one note and evernote i tried that for a whole time and i still use that but more for like passwords and for stuff i, I like uh, bios and things i have to reuse a lot all the rest I still write uh, on a big um, moleskin. I don't know how you say yes, Mollus- moleskin. Yeah. Moleskin, well, yes. a big one. Uh, and I, I just write in there. And the one productivity trick I learned from McKinsey boys was that if I have a to-do, I will ma- make like an empty square. And then I basically very quickly can watch through all the stuff I need to do. And I can then, if I've done it, I can de- basically cross the little square. You see, does it make sense what I'm saying? So you you write the to dos in the square, or is it a tick? So what? So let's like let's imagine box? we have a meeting. Yeah, yes. it's, a tick box is better. So we have a okay. meeting. We talk half an hour. I'll write some concepts down, and then I'll put a tick box like next steps or to do two three tick boxes, and then I go on the rest of the day. And then at the end of a few days, I'm like, okay, did I do it or didn't I do it? And then I can check off the tick boxes. Yeah, something so stupid, but it's it's a shape. Because you write always in curves, and if yes. you then suddenly have a square box, your eye catches it straight away, and then you don't need to work with colors and all of the other crazy stuff. Do you use iPhone, iPad? More on a per- no, not a lot. I see you do, you you doing it. I almost I only make notes when I'm sitting somewhere in a meeting and I don't have anything else to write, or let's say grocery list. I will use the iPhone. <laughs> But, but you, yeah, I mean, I I find that actually reminders can work quite well. That that the simple reminders app that that comes a standard, I think, with the phone. Yeah. That that actually can be used in 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 fairly sophisticated way. You can create lots of different lists. But I've used it in business. I've used it for my photography when I've been planning projects. 
so that you can you can create quite an interesting plan and you can add notes to each individual note but then you get the satisfaction of ticking things off when they're done but it also holds that information so you if you can say well what have I actually achieved over the last month you can bring those things back that's quite that's quite useful yeah and the most important thing is it syncs so I've got an iPhone iPad I also use um, Outlook quite a lot it syncs into Outlook so I've got my my actions and my reminders in there as well all sync together so if I'm on the train for instance I'm away from my workstation I've got a bit of time I've got access to Wi-Fi which a lot of the the trains are doing now I can sit and do some work and knock some to-dos off quite quickly just working from my iPhone or iPad so yeah. that, that works quite well as well that's a good one yeah I still I mean after all these years I still sometimes struggle with it when I'm thinking Funnily enough, I, you write them down to-do lists, and I used to write big to-do lists, and I've, I've reduced them to like a few points because you feel frustrated. You can't do everything. Yes. You but you that. still, yeah. Oh, so, and what I also do, Mark, maybe you do that, I've realized that I cannot do emails after 8.30 in the evening because I will sleep badly. It will stick. Yes. And the second thing I do is to get it rid out of, your, out of, out of my system. You can, you can have this loop in your head. I basically take a piece of shade, uh, paper or my book, and I'm basically writing like those are the five things I need to do. And then it's funny. Then my my mind calms down because I've written down, and I think I can't forget. You can still forget it, of course, but it's a different approach. Yeah. And do you know what we've forgotten? We've forgotten the time. It's now <laughs> thirty-two minutes, coming up to thirty-three minutes, and I haven't mentioned any of the things. I've just written myself some notes of the things I wanted to mention on this podcast. I haven't mentioned any of them. Good. Good start, Mark. Exactly. Then we'll do them next time. We'll do it next time. If I remember, <laughs> I'll write myself a note. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this was the Bossit podcast, talking about the software technology industry. Please like, review, send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Mark. Thank you.